3CR acknowledges that we broadcast from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay respect to their elders past and present and acknowledge the continued resilience of First Nation peoples in the face of ongoing colonisation and settlement. We recognise sovereignty was never ceded and a treaty never signed. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're all having a little yeah. So we're all having a little dance. It was like a warm up dance. (laughs) Such a rainy morning. We needed to do something to get the enliven ourselves. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That felt really necessary. Actually, we were just had our arms up in the air, flailing them around everywhere (laughs) to the music. Doing a little bit of a hip and a A little bit of a groove. Yeah, groove. Just a groove on a Wednesday morning. So nice to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Nice to be a three again. (laughs) Yeah. So how was your time away, Claudia? Um, yeah, so I was, went up to Falls Creek, up to Mount Beauty last week oh, um, for a few nights. And, uh, yeah, it was just beautiful, sparkling white snow. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, they got a big dump of snow the night that we arrived. And, uh, oh, did they? Quite magical. Yeah. <laughs> really, um, wow. coming from Western Australia, it's still a real novelty for me to be able to drive four hours and be somewhere else. It's like, you know, another planet, really. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and... Mm. Uh, you know, walking out of the lodge and then just seeing people sort of skiing down the street. So, yes. Did you do any skiing or just uh, not myself? Up my daughter skied. Um, yeah, I read my book and <laughs> trudged up and down the mountain, finding the best places for coffee and lunch. Oh. And um, yeah, just really enjoyed the scenery. I took some photos and yeah. Just enjoyed a nice being in a different place. Yeah. Mm. So that was good. Sounds great. And um, and then, yeah, NADOT week. So um, that was a big week last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Watched quite a few good documentaries and movies on the television. And yeah. then Ash Barty's win on Saturday night. That was, yeah, like, that capped was, it all off. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it was a nice way to end it. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. And 3CR was playing the Beyond the Bars across the whole week, which was just incredible. I kept tuning in and out of that as you could every day. So, yeah, 3CR was smashing it as always. Because they couldn't do it last year because we were in lockdown, I think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I, believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there was no one uh, able to have It was just too, yeah. yeah, there was a lot. I think there would have just been too many hurdles to jump over to make that yeah, work. Yeah, so it's I don't particularly think they were exciting that they were able to, to do that this year. Yeah, I was reflecting that uh, this was beginning of Melbourne's lockdown last year. So as sad as it is for Sydney siders, um, I think we're really lucky that we're not in that position this year because it was the beginning of that 100 days. Yeah, the very full-on lockdown. Yeah. But um, what have we got coming up on today's show for our listeners? Well, I'm heading off the agenda with an interview with George Salvanera from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. He's going to be talking to us about the actions that they've been taking in response to the Royal Commission's 30th anniversary and the lack of implementation of a number of the recommendations from that Royal Commission. Uh, In particular, they're calling for 
the Victorian Government to install a Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commission um, at a state level to review those recommendations. So we'll be hearing more about that from George. Fantastic. And yeah, I'm speaking with Delia Ricard from the ACCC. Um, so the ACCC released their annual Scam Watch report last month. Um, so we're going to hear a bit about how scams have affected people from ni- minority groups, um, so people with a disability, uh, culturally and linguistically diverse communities, and Indigenous Australians. Fantastic. And then at 7.45, um, we've got Lavanya from 350 joining us. Um, so currently Lavanya and her kind of crew are preparing for a rally today at 12pm um, outside NAB HQ. So we're going to be speaking to her about that. And then at 8.15, we're going to be speaking to um, the team at Thrive Festival, which is a festival for um, disabled and deaf local people um and yeah we're going to be finding out more about thrive oh excellent that'll be a nice way to end the show yeah absolutely woman of the sea west coast to me some call her air some call her Aphrodite falling from the skies, jamming her eyes, breathing the air, holy sunrise, rising tides, pearls to her knees, water essence, wild and sweet, hair gold, jewels from the thief, eyes so blue, staring at me, rock the waves, lady. You're listening to 3CR, and we just heard Lady Lash with the Thanks for that, Ella. And a warning, the following segment 
contains references to people who have died. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may find this upsetting may wish to tune out for the next 15 minutes. Okay, last week as part of our NAIDOC week coverage we reflected on the 30th anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody and the despair surrounding 475 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lives that have been lost since 1991. In Victoria, the Aboriginal Legal Service has called for a Victorian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner to review the implementation of the recommendations from the Royal Commission. We now have the Acting CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, George Salvanara, here to find out more about these actions. Good morning, George. Good morning, Claudia. Thanks for being with us. On Wednesday breakfast, can you tell us why the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service has called for a social justice commissioner? The, I mean, it, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service is just one of the wider um, Aboriginal organisations, so a whole lot of Aboriginal community-controlled organisations that are parties to the Aboriginal Justice Agreement here in Victoria. All of us are calling for an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner for Victoria. Um, the key kind of areas of focus for that commissioner would be really to ensure that the unfinished work of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody is finally completed. So, for instance, the, the role uh, as an independent statutory role would audit Victoria's progress towards implementation of the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Um, as you kind of uh, flagged uh, in sort of introducing me, we have more Aboriginal deaths in custody now uh, than we had 30 years ago in the lead-up to the Royal Commission then. So there is a big job for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner, and this was uh, an area that was set out in the Labor Party platform in 2018, that Dan Andrews said that he would work with ACOs, including BOWS, to establish such a commission. And what has the response from the Andrews government been now that you've called for that action? Well, radio silence. Um, I'm not sure if you meant to say that on a radio station, <laughs> but uh, certainly we uh, there hasn't been any progress towards the establishment of this commissioner, and this is something that all uh, parties, as I say, to the Aboriginal Justice Agreement uh, are very keen to see progress on. Because the um, uh, Andrews government in Victoria has been a leader with the Truth and Justice Commission and the treaty process, and they've committed to looking at injustice both historically and, and present as part of that. So that would fit with the agenda, surely. You're absolutely right to say that the um, Andrews government has invested a lot of resources and time into the treaty process and the Uruk Justice Commissioners. They're both important processes, but they have, both have years to go. And I guess there are kind of more urgent, uh, well, I shouldn't say more urgent, but there are urgent actions and reforms that need to take place now. We can't wait for... Uh, what might come in the future and the promise of something of the, in the future where actually it's unclear what those outcomes will be. 
So what are the top three things that you would like to see addressed in this urgent sort of immediate time frame? The key issues are the establishment of an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner who can, as I say, take forward uh, the unfinished work of the Royal Commission for Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. The funding of culturally safe legal services for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across the state and urgent reform of uh, the Bail Act, uh, which has led to mass incarceration, not just of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but given that that's the area of our focus, we now have more Aboriginal people in custody, uh, of which more than half are there on remand, awaiting trial often for offences that don't carry custodial sentences. This has disproportionately affected Aboriginal women, of which 80% are mums. Yeah, the figures are quite horrific on uh, the number of people being held on remand. Can you tell us, tell listeners a little bit about the background to those bail laws? Because I believe they came in in 2017 following the Burke Streak incident in Melbourne. That's exactly right. And the, uh, the, the introduction of those laws, as you say, I mean, did follow a, you know, a horrific act. No one is suggesting otherwise. What happened, I guess, and this is part sometimes of the problem of having knee-jerk responses to terrible incidents, is that we end up uh, creating a uh, sort of a rod for our own back so that the actual response, uh, we, we use a sledgehammer to uh, smash a walnut uh, rather than kind of deal with the specific issue. So what happened was that the owner uh, shifted away from the granting of bail to having to essentially demonstrate exceptional circumstances as to why you should get bail. And the impact of that was to lead to a nearly 50% increase in the number of incarcerated people. So we have situations now where there are people who end up on remand, where they spend the entire time on remand in a police holding cell. Uh, we've had, we have instances of you know, a third of children and young people that are on remand awaiting, awaiting their trial. As I say, 80% of Aboriginal women who are on remand are mums. This then has knock-on effects in terms of children being removed from their families, and you know, essentially, a whole lot of additional trauma, both for those children and and for the mother and for the family itself. So, one of the things that the government's doing in response to this is seeking to expand the size of the, the prison population, so to invest even more, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in the building of additional prison spaces rather than, if you like, investing at the front end in schemes that will divert potential offenders from custody uh, and ensure, I guess, the type of supports that, that we need in our community to prevent people from ever uh, coming into contact with the criminal justice system. And you mentioned that bail laws apply to offences uh, which don't necessarily carry a custodial sentence. Correct. So what are sorts of things have uh, people been accused of 
and they end up in uh, remand. Are we talking about like not paying a fine and shoplifting? And... <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Um, that's exactly right. Um, it's a, a, a terrible situation. And, you know, one of the key recommendations, if we go back again 30 years to the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths and Custody and the urgency of the need for an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner is that one of those key recommendations was around, the, around bail. And we here in Victoria have gone backwards uh, in terms of of that. Uh, we are seeing a, a, a rapid increase in the number of incarcerated people. And let's face it, the more you have more people in custody, the more then you have the likelihood of more deaths in custody as well. Yeah, well, that's the sort of backbone of the, the, the numbers, really, is the over-representation in the first place. So Correct. keeping people out... Um, is yeah the where the work should be done uh, rather than accommodating for more more incarceration absolutely and you know and it, i guess it, there's also within this claudia the disproportionate impact on aboriginal people so for example aboriginal women make up one percent of the statewide population and yet account for 12 to 13 percent of the population of women that are incarcerated. Um, and sort of similar sorts of rates that for Aboriginal men as well. So it's not just that we have an accelerating uh, expansion in those that are incarcerated. We also have the disproportionate impact that this has on, on some of our most vulnerable people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Yeah, and then the knock-on effect for their families and their other social outcomes, so part of a bigger picture. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, we wish you and all your related uh, organisations that are uh, asking for this commissioner to be installed uh, success. So best of luck. Uh, we'll be well, here supporting you at 3CR. Well, so well, come and talk well. to us again. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I would encourage you to consider uh, entering uh, political life so you can help influence this particular outcome. Oh, thank you. I'll give that some thought with my morning coffee. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Claudia. Good morning to you, to your listeners. Thank you, George. That was George Salvanera from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service talking to us on 3CR Wednesday breakfast about the call that they've made to the Victorian government for a Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal Commissioner of Social Justice. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival returns with a huge showcase of factual filmmaking. Highlights include Cry of the Forests, a look at WA's sacred southwest forests and the activists trying to protect them. Mental as Anything, a heartwarming story about what it's like to live with mental illness. The Price of Truth, a look at Julian Assange and WikiLeaks with never-before-seen interviews. And many more. July 21st to 31st at Cinema Nova. A 3CR supporter.
keeps me hanging mm, a bottle of wine he leaves me moaning all evening long he puts me And that was Asha Putzley with Right Down Here. Next up on Wednesday Breakfast, we're going to be talking about scams. So in June, the ACCC, that's the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, uh, released their annual targeting scams report, which looks at trends in scamming activities and their effect on the community. And so this latest report has highlighted the impact of scams on culturally and linguistically diverse people, people with a disability and Indigenous Australians. So I spoke with Delia Ricard, the deputy chair of the ACCC, to find out more. Um, And I started by asking her to talk me through some of the key findings of the report in regards to these minority groups. What the report found overall was that last year, Australians lost over $850 million to scams. Um, And we know that's just the tip of the iceberg because a lot of people don't report or report elsewhere. So we are losing a huge amount of scams. And we're also seeing that groups such as Cal communities, Indigenous Australians, people with disability are not immune to being scammed. And in fact, we see some specific scams that especially target Cal community members. 
with Indigenous scams, we find that um, they're losing money to similar scams to the rest of the community. And pleasingly, they were one of the few groups who reported losing less last year than they had in the previous year. Pretty much everyone else, we saw the losses increase for. And typically scammers operate by exploiting vulnerabilities. And you mentioned there a lot of scammers are targeting people in these communities. So what are some of the factors which can place minority groups at risk and what are the ways scammers are trying to take advantage of this? We've seen a number of scams which especially target um, cal communities. And these are scams where the scammer, the, the one we saw the biggest losses with is what we call Chinese authority scammers where it usually starts from a robocall that's in Mandarin and it tells the person that a typical story would be a parcel that they sent has been intercepted and it was a parcel they were meant to have sent to China and that it contained fake um, passports, fake credit cards and there was a warrant out for their arrest Um, and this call will pretend it's coming from either a parcel courier company or the Chinese embassy, Chinese police. They will then pretend to put the person through to the Chinese police who will say um, you need to pay money um, to prove some kind of legitimacy. And it really terrifies people. And so we saw over $7 million reported lost to us to that scam last year. And as I'll keep saying over and over, um, you know, that will just be a small percentage of the actual money that was lost to these scams. Another particularly nasty version of the the sorts of scams we see that especially target cult communities is government impersonation scams where they pretend to be, for instance, from the Department of Home Affairs, Immigration, and they say there's a problem, they haven't paid a particular immigration tax, haven't filled in a particular form, they have a range of excuses there. And they say that unless they pay these fines immediately, um, they may have their visas cancelled and be deported. And you can imagine that the people who are waiting on citizenship find this a particularly distressing um, event. And what are some of the measures in place to remove these barriers or risk factors for people who are in these minority communities? The ACCC is doing a number of things to try and better target our message to cult communities. In relation to the Chinese authority scams, we actually um, produce fact sheets and warnings in simplified Chinese and traditional Chinese. We put together a package of materials that we sent to all the universities around Australia at the beginning of 2020 because we know that students were being particularly targeted. Plus, we have our our core publication is something called the Little Black Book of Scams, and that has been translated into 10 different community languages and is available to download for free from scamwatch.gov.au. But we're continuing to look at what more we can do to better um, target our messages to cult communities, and we've got meetings coming up with um, ethnic community organisations to really talk through what more we can be doing. We also use SBS as a regular channel to get our messages out through. And the report flags threat-based scams, investment scams, and dating and romance scams as the most common. So could you just tell us a little about these different types of scams? I'd be happy to. And investment scams are the scams which all Australians lost the most to last year. Um, I think in total, when we looked at 
the ACCC scam watch reports and combine that with reports from banks and other agencies that people complain to, we saw over $328 million reported as lost to investment scams. And a proportion of those were lost to co-communities, um, Indigenous consumers, people with disability. And the investment scams we're seeing, and we're seeing a huge increase this year, so it's really important for people to be on the lookout for these. And we're seeing a range of different types of investment scams. We're seeing a lot which pretend to be selling cryptocurrency and promise huge returns. And they're very clever um, in the way they do it. So you'll see these great charts, you'll invest a little bit, so just to make sure it's legitimate, you will see your, your investment rising very quickly. You might try and take a small amount out to see if it really is legitimate. They let you do that. And so that gives people the confidence that it, it's not a scam. So they tell their friends and families who also invest in this um, and invest more and more. And it looks like from you know the app, the computers, the website that your investment's continuing to um, grow. And then when they choose to try and take out all of their money, you know, they block access from the app or the, the website. They can't access it. They can't contact anyone. We're also seeing a, a really unfortunate blending of um, investment scams and romance scams where somebody meets on a dating app, the person they're talking with quickly moves them off the dating app to um, an encrypted chat app like WhatsApp. And once that, and they woo them, they bombard them with, you know, love messages. And once they feel that there's a sort of trust bond in place, they'll start talking about their fantastic investments, usually in cryptocurrencies, show them, you know, on screen what, what they're earning, etc., and then offer to help them learn to invest. And again, you know, the person does it, they might take out a little to check it's real, but eventually all the money disappears. Some of the other concerning investment scams we've seen this year is we're seeing scammers pretend to be legitimate investment companies. They will take their prospectuses and they will do a direct copy of it, just changing the contact details. Um, so people feel like they're dealing with a well-known legitimate investment company when in fact they're dealing with a scammer and are losing significant amounts. And the third variation that we've seen a lot of is um, celebrity endorsements. And the scammers will take a photo or an image of a well-known celebrity and have claims which they pretend are coming from that celebrity about how fabulously they're doing through their investments. And it could be someone like David Koch or Swiggy Forrest. And people you know, associate them with success in terms of investment and do their own investing. And again, it turns out to be a scam. This year, we've also seen them do fake news stories pretending to be the ABC or the project. Again, trusted sources of information. Um, but in fact, they're entirely a scam. So yeah, all these different strategies to try and gain the person's trust, it sounds like. Yeah. And look, um, the, the other one that I really would like to talk about is romance scams. These, I think, are the worst of all the scams. They're usually the first or second greatest in terms of losses. Um, but, you know, the victims of these are devastated financially and emotionally. And once you start looking into romance scams and romance sites, you will see that there is a site for pretty much every nationality. Um, and some of those sites will end up having scammers on them that will target members from particular communities. Um, we see people from the disability community particularly vulnerable to these scams. And so the scammers prey upon people's loneliness 
and then rip them off appallingly. And when you were mentioning investment scams there, I noticed you said often when people are in the first stages of the scam, they will receive money back. And I have heard that from a few different stories that early on people do get a reward. So they're sort of lulled into this false sense of security. So is that something people need to look out for, even if it appears to be going well in the early stages? People absolutely need to look out for it. And because scammers are just absolutely expert at gaining our trust. And this is a simple mechanism by which they gain our trust and get the victims to be promoting the schemes for them. So don't assume just because you can take a bit of money out at first that it is in fact legitimate. And I mean, if you're interested in investing, um, go to asicsmoneysmart.gov.au site for some of the basics. And one of the core um, basic principles of investing is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify. Don't put everything into one investment. So, you know, God forbid it is a scam. You haven't lost everything. And as you said, we know that this $850 million reported in losses is just the tip of the iceberg because often people don't report scams. Now, I realise it's a bit hard to measure an unknown, but do we have an idea of what extent of scams aren't reported and what are some of the reasons people might not report a scam? We think about a third of people don't report scams and there's a range of reasons. Some don't report because they don't think anyone can do anything about it so what's the point? And in fact banks either stopped or recovered around $200 million worth of money sent to scammers or attempted to be sent to scammers last year. So if you have been scammed, it's absolutely important to let your bank know ASAP. So that's one reason they don't um, report. Another is I think because they're embarrassed. You know, they're too embarrassed to tell anyone. And when you combine that with the fact that I think it won't make any difference, they all add up to under-reporting. And, or else they might think, look, it's a small amount of money. I can't get help. What's the point? People know about the scam already. So those are the most common reasons for people not reporting scams. And look, I would t- like to tell you about another scam that we're seeing at the moment, which is really on the rise and that you know I'd like to get the message out there about, which is remote access scams. And for a number of years now, we've heard about scammers pretending to be computer companies or telcos like Telstra, the MBN, contacting you saying there's a problem with your computer, you need to give us remote access. And then when they access your computer, they find a reason to have you go into your bank account so that they can then distract you and empty out your bank account and do all sorts of things within your computer. But we're also seeing a real increase in companies that we don't associate with remote access scams doing it. In fact, I had literally one minute before we started this interview, I picked up a call on my mobile phone and it was somebody pretending to be Amazon telling me they were calling to confirm a purchase I'd made of a large Canon camera. Um, Now, obviously I hadn't made a purchase and I just hung up on them. But this is really common now to see scammers pretending to be PayPal, eBay, Amazon, contacting you about a large purchase you've made or that's been incorrectly billed to your account and then tricking you into giving them remote access to your computer by downloading some of the software that's available to do that. And then finding an excuse to get you to open your bank account, distracting you and removing the money. So if I had a couple of core messages for listeners today, it is 
Remember that scammers can pretend to be anyone and they will often impersonate government departments, banks, utilities like your energy company or your telco. Um, so if somebody contacts you out of the blue, no matter who they say they are, don't give them personal information, especially don't give them any banking or superannuation details. And absolutely never give anyone who contacts you out of the blue remote access to your computer. And if you think something might be real, don't use the contact details in the phone call, the SMS, the email, whoever they communicated with you um, to check it. Uh, hang up, press delete, go and do a Google search for the correct contact details, get in contact with the organisation and say, look, I had this contact saying blah, blah, blah. Um, is it real or not? Yeah, I've certainly um, noticed an increase in the robocalls from apparently the ATO <laughs> around the uh, end of financial year. So people really know when to strike. They certainly do. And and the HA, and we're seeing tax time scams explode as they always do at this time of year. So, yeah, just yeah. always be sceptical. Don't give them money. Don't give them personal information. The ATO actually has a phone number for people to call who want to know if something's a scam or not because they get scammed. They, there are so many ATO scams. And if you just Google ATO scam number, you'll get the number. And lastly, if someone has been the victim of a scam or they suspect they have, what's their best avenue for seeking help? If you've been a victim of a scam and you think you've given away any banking or financial information, contact your bank immediately. There is some small chance that you may be able to get it back. If you've been a victim of ID theft, and I should say that almost all scams these days want your personal information as well as your money. Because once they have enough personal information on you, they can pretend to be you, open accounts in your name, open bank accounts, you know, electricity accounts, telco accounts in your name. So if you think you've been a victim of um, ID theft, there's a fantastic um, organization called ID Care, and either call them or go to their webpage, and they, are, they will help people unwind the nightmare that is ID theft. And we also ask people, if you can, to let the ACCC know at scamwatch.gov.au because that way we know the scams that are going around and who they're targeting and that way we can, you know, get our warnings out to people. Excellent. And I should say too um, that we don't just spend our time warning people. Where we have the consumer's permission, we use the information in the scam reports to provide, you know, the banks with the um, bank numbers of scammers' accounts. We provide scam telephone call numbers to the telcos, and they're now blocking tens of millions of calls each month. Um, so it is really a good community service to let us know. That was Delia Ricard, Deputy Chair of the ACCC talking to us about the impact of scams on culturally and linguistically diverse people, people with a disability, and Indigenous Australians. Words out. Freedom of species has hit the airwaves. Tune in for debates and updates on both local and international animal protection news and events, and learn about how you can live a cruelty-free, sustainable lifestyle. Animales. News, views and non-leather shoes. That's Freedom of Species, 1pm Sundays on 3CR. Authorised by the last few remaining kangaroos, Canberra. 
As NAB prepares their oil and gas lending policy for public release, community members are gathering outside the National Australia Bank HQ in Docklands, Melbourne. Today we're speaking to Lavanya, a national organiser from 350 who's organising the rally outside NAB today. So Lavanya, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. So first up, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about why people are gathering today at NAB HQ? Yeah, totally. Today we're gathering because um, NAB is currently in the process of um, deciding their oil and gas policy. And um, so just one. Yeah, so they're currently reviewing the oil and gas policy and it's a really crucial time for us to be uh, lobbying them to choose a policy that will phase out funding any more fossil fuels according to their own um, uh, commitments to climate change and their, their Paris aligned and their policy is that they won't be funding any more projects that bring us uh, over the line of 1.5 degrees of global warming. So it's really crucial that uh, NAP know that uh, people don't want this and also it's a, we're launching a public campaign where uh, we don't want any banks to be funding um, any gas companies uh, in you know that are sort of like launching these projects in line with Scott Morrison's gas fired recovery under the guise of the gas fired recovery. Yeah. Mm. And what do we know about how NAB are specifically spending their money? So what they're investing in and who is it affecting mostly? Well, NAB has um, historically they funded millions and millions of dollars uh, in fossil fuel companies. They've lent lots of money before, but uh, over the last ten years, through grassroots campaigning, all big four banks adopted a policy where they ruled out funding thermal coal, and they've also said that they believe in the science and that uh, you know, like they are uh, Paris aligned. So, um, I think they they have done. Uh, they have adopted policies before that are aligned with uh, the science and they can do it again. But at the moment, there is just not enough public pressure and uh, we need to prove to them that there is no social license for them to be lending to gas companies at the moment. So gas companies can't really uh, survive without public handouts or insurance from private financiers. And this is a really important time for us to show them that they can do what they've done previously and completely rule out funding fossil fuels. And we know that community members are going to be there today at 12pm um, outside NAB HQ for the, for the rally. But who else, are get, who else is getting behind this protest? Yeah, so we've got uh, our numbers a bit limited uh, today due to COVID, so we have to cap it off 50. But we do have a, a range of speakers. We've got some Pacific Climate Warriors who are going to be speaking and we have NAB shareholders who are also climate activists, and we have a uh, climate scientist and climate experts present. And we've invited NAB staff because it is at lunchtime for NAB staff to come down because we know that a lot of NAB staff also care about uh, these issues, and they would want to see, you know, what their company is doing. And ultimately, a lot of our tactics and grassroots actions that we're doing are engaging NAP staff to raise it internally and pass it on to the manager because we don't have access to those managers and executives like fossil fuel companies do, but this is one way that we can engage them. That is such a great idea to kind of bring in the, the in kind of quotation marks, the lower level staff to engage mm-hmm. from within and to engage their managers within the company. 
Yeah, totally. And um, a lot of grassroots groups and activists exist in uh, between 2014 and 17 uh, um, about like lobbied start bank staff about thermal coal. And it actually worked, and people did engage um, the managers on this issue. And we've got people taking action all over the country. So in Northern Territory, where the Beedaloo Basin is, which is, um, you know, like one of the biggest contenders for being wrapped. And then, um, yeah, so people have done this before. And it's when uh, executives here, you know, that at smaller branches, people are talking to NAP staff in all over the country, that's when they know that uh, they can see that people are re- there's really a groundswell of support for this issue and that maybe they should be considering something, you know, like maybe gas doesn't have a social license that they like they caught and like uh, like call it is also really publicly toxic. And when you're trying to engage those people that work at NAB, um, how do you how do you go about that? What's what is the strategy of getting them on board? Yeah, so we do really friendly actions. Um, one, uh, I went down to my local branch with some activists uh, last week and we started engaging. We asked the staff if they've heard about the policy review. We tried to do this at strategic times when there was a policy under review, so there was a bit of a pathway for them to, you know, like say why uh, we're talking to them right now and for them to raise it to the manager. And um, some people um, didn't know about the policy review, but they were, uh, you know, interested, they were friendly. But then over time, we want them to, you know, be engaging in these issues. A lot of the NAB staff are um, parents or young people or grandparents just like us, and they also are concerned about the future. And um, we just really want them to really care about the issue, but ultimately they don't have any decision-making power, so the more they can, you know, raise it with higher levels. Um, and also we, you know, do, like, other things, like we take cupcakes for the staff because sometimes... You, uh, the, what really works is just the consistency of going there every week and after, you know, 10 weeks, um, some of those actions would reach NAB executives and if they don't, we will tag them on social media and make sure there's other ways that uh, NAB decision makers know that we're there and we're all over the country. People are at NAB branches asking for executives to do better on this policy. Wow, so there's quite a strategy involved in going into the same branch, talking to the same team of people, taking in cupcakes and approaching them in that real kind of very friendly way for, for a good 10 weeks before you know if it, if that's working or not. Yeah, well, the 10 weeks is now because um, NAB is announcing their policy in September, so we've got a very short period of time, but for other banks, once we know uh, which banks are likely to fund or ensure the Beaverloo Basin fracking project, we it could be like something that you know goes on for a year or two years. Um, yeah, but it is definitely about building relationships with those staff or some rapport, getting them on side because um, you know it, it's everyone's interest at heart. Absolutely, and you've got. Um concerned customers, shareholders, Pacific Islanders, community members down there with you today. If 3CR listeners want to help, if they want to get involved in any way, shape or form, how can they support this Um, and obviously maintaining the restrictions that you have with 50 people at the at the NAB HQ but and how best can they can they kind of support you? Well there's a bunch of ways so if people were to come down today uh, we would, you know, if we had over 50 people, we would ask people, we've got a bunch of call flutes and signs and people can walk around with them because 
the NAB, the NAB offices are sort of spread out, so um, that's one option. But also, um, if they want to get involved in the campaign, there's lots of ways. So we've got a NAB HQ team. So along with doing advance adoptions, we're going to be going to the HQ every week from now till the policy is announced and potentially after that as well, depending on the policy. Um, and people can join the HQ team and the commitment is only once a month and we do it weekly but on a rotating basis of activists and also um, they can adopt a local branch. So the best way to find out is just to go on our website or email uh, info at 350.org.au and our website is 350.org.au. Wonderful. I love the sound of like adopting a branch near you and just having that as your uh, the branch that you go and you act, you're, you're an activist for and you go into. Um Thank you, Lavanya, so much for talking to us today. And just a little bit of info for our listeners there. If you want to join, as Lavanya said, you can turn up and you can grab a sign and actually walk around the Docklands and bring awareness for that. And that's at 800 Burke Street, Docklands, NAB HQ, today at 12pm. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lavanya. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Earth Greetings have been making sustainable beautiful since 2003. Their 100% recycled cards, plastic-free stationery and earth-friendly gifts are made in Australia with the lightest possible planetary footprint. Shop online at earthgreetings.com.au or at one of over 500 stockists Australia-wide. Earth Greetings is a 3CR supporter. Get lost in science. Tune in to 3CR every week to hear Beth, Chris and Stuart discuss news and issues from the universe that is science. Get informed and learn a bit more about the world around you. Lost in Science can be heard every Thursday at 8.30 in the morning and is repeated the following Tuesday at 6am. Word to the nerd! You can also download a podcast. Go to the website at www.3cr.org.au and get lost in science. I'm going to keep on walking Because I've been walking for days And there are blisters on my feet and they it turns to crazy It's like I'm walking through a maze Up my own Cause running from something Just to turn around and find You were running from yourself All the time Cause everything that once felt real Does not feel anymore Cause everything that once felt real Does not feel
And that was Thelma Plum with Around Here. And sorry, probably should have given a language warning there, so I hope we didn't offend anyone's sensibilities. Um, Next up, we're going to listen back to some music from some past Beyond the Bars. So as we've said, that's 3CR's special broadcast where we go inside prisons for one week every year during NADOC week. Um, So this segment is recorded in 2015. It's from the Dane Phyllis Frost Centre. And we're going to hear from James with Only Live Once. Ever felt frustrated by life Feel like you messed up in your first And been left condemned to strife Like you're living it twice Being punished with double jeopardy Not understanding that people can go through this And not let it be better We gotta try and break the cycle of pain Know it's tough but inside We got the power to change Avoid the showers of rain Dodge the storms you can make Your attitude to carry and pessimistic Better to be belated, ecstatic and happy Have we dealt with bad things in our mind? Answers yes, positives outweigh The perils of crime Let me define what I'm feeling With these uplifting words Empower no down and out, what a motivational verse Could it get worse? Of course it could become Nothing but stress, when I'm depressed Employ rhyme and get the steam off my chest In fact I've been blessed, with the talent And I'll use it, one thing I value most In this world is my music, so if You're feeling down and you're lying in bed Stuck, the only advice that I can Give you is get up, you only live once So make the most of what you have and just Remember that what isn't good ain't always Bad, yeah, if you're feeling down You're lying in bed stuck, the only Advice that I can give you is get up you only live once, so make the most of what you have And just remember that what isn't good ain't always bad, yo I believe in a world full of happiness I'd like to live in a place without having a stress So if you've been dealt some bad cards in life Is it suggesting best you grab your pen and pad to write Whatever you're feeling with uplifting words And this could go two ways, either better or worse And maybe I've been cursed by a spell to speak my mind Instead of being violent I unleash my fury on a rhyme And over periods of time my outlook changes Makes me able to identify the maximal dangers I'll stay away from strangers, hurry situations Surround myself with good people, those that I've known for ages Don't self-mutilate with razors, I medicate with music Before my temperament escalates, work averse to diffuse it Whenever I'm about to lose it, I'm gonna weigh up my options And make the right decisions, I don't need bad choices on my conscience If you're feeling down, you're lying in bed stuck The only advice that I could give you is get up You only live once, so make the most of what you have And just remember that what isn't good ain't always bad, yo So if you're feeling down, you're lying in bed stuck The only advice that I could give you was get up You only live once So make the most of what you have And just remember that what isn't good Ain't always bad, yo I 
gather inspiration from greats like Muhammad Ali He too went to prison, was eventually free I employ different thinking, a news a new scheme A firm believer in reality, it's good to be a dreamer Yet goals can be accomplished if we want it to happen So I don't just think it, I live it, I regularly imagine My actions speaking sad, I ran out loud And the wisdoms of that negative behaviour That won't help me go to distance in the long run Better to defuse situations instead of volatility Use communication and patience, yeah it's hard at the start but the end results are worth it. You gotta start somewhere and it helps no one, nobody's perfect. If I stay on the right track, I know I'll persevere and react in the right way instead of wrongly to fear. Cause these days for me, violence be the last resort. Any man can throw a punch, it takes a real man to talk. But if you're feeling bound and you're lying in bed stuck, the only advice that I could give you is get up. You only live once, so make the most of what you have and just remember that what isn't good ain't always bad, yo. So if you're feeling down, you're lying in bed. Bed stuck. The only advice that I can give you is get up. You only live once, so make the most of what you have and just remember that what isn't good ain't always bad, you yeah. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science, and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. The, um, like you are saying, Margaret, it's a program's jail. Um, they do run different programs in here depending on your crimes and whatever. Like they do drug and alcohol, they do violence, they do um, your family programs and stuff like that. Try One thing, uh, a lot of blokes out, out here in the jail out here are looking for places to, uh, to stay and get released on parole and there seems to be none. So if any of you blokes out that way got any ideas or anything to, to help blokes out, especially interstaters who can't get a place, we'll, we'll get in touch with the, with, with the lads and obviously knobs out in, out in Port Phillip or something like that there. And give us a hand because a lot of us sitting back uh, doing extra jail for nothing because we've got nowhere to go. There used to be a hostel in Fitzroy that used yeah, to be. Georgie Wright hostel.
that was Black Paradise from Thursday Island. The Emerald Hill Precinct will come alive with exhibitions, activities and performances on the Saturday the 24th of July for Thrive Festival. And now we're speaking with Sarah Herbot, a producer at the festival. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. No worries. Good morning. Good morning. Can you firstly just tell us a little bit about Thrive Festival? Yeah, Thrive Festival is a local community festival in the Emerald Hill Precinct that presents and celebrates deaf and disabled artists. It's a disability-led festival that's organised by Arts Access Victoria, uh, and it's a multi-venue festival, so we have other places involved, such as the Australian Tapestry Workshop, Temperance Hall, Ignition Immersive, the Emerald Hill Library and Heritage Centre, South Melbourne Market. And, and more places. So it'll be a super fun day, all day Saturday, 24th of July, um, and we're really excited about it. Wow, so much going on in all those different places. Yeah. Yep, we've got accessible tours. Uh, we've got uh, performance, visual arts, and access and inclusion is at the core of the festival. So we have audio description, we have offline interpreters, we have captions for our videos, and we have a live stream that people can register for as well. 
Amazing. And can you tell us a little bit more about some of the artists that are going to be there? Who can we expect to see? I know you won't be able to talk about all of them, but maybe just, <laughs> just a few. Yes. yes. This is a predominantly programmed festival of deaf and disabled artists. So the city of Port Phillip is in partnership with the festival and they funded nine amazing Thrive artists to do their work. So we have Heidi Everett, Adam Napper, Samsara Dunstan, Joe Monteleone, and he's at Gasworks, that's another venue. We have Daniel Colson, Sabina Knox, Ryan New, um, Dave Houston and the students from the Port Phillips Specialist School. Um, and we, oh, and also Hugh McNabb doing roving performance. And then we have lots of other performers programmed on the day around the festival sites. So we also have social stories and quiet rooms and, and we've considered our community and our, our local neighbourhood um, and offer quite a, a range of activities. Wow, it sounds like such a full day of fun and creativity and inspiration and and what's amazing um is that it's it's free, right? It's completely free. Even our sausage sizzles so from Oh my god. Oh my god. Everyone in the yes. studio just looked at me dead in the eyes then. <laughs> That's right, that's right. We're excited to reconnect with our community. We're excited to put on a festival. Um, we're very excited that it's disability-led and to showcase what we can do with with the talents we've got. Um, and it will be a, a lot of fun like any festival is. And, yes, everything is free. You do need to book for it, though, so we have booking links on our, our website and on the venue websites. So um, please go ahead and, and look at our website at artsaccess.com.au slash thrive-festival um, and then you can see all the details there. And has Thrive been around for a while or what's what's the festival's story in that sense? Yeah, Thrive is a rebrand. So it used to be the old Emerald Hill Festival uh, and it was called Open Doors Emerald Hill and Arts Access Victoria has been involved with it from its inception. It's, it comes from the city of Port Phillip to activate the local area and to provide activities for our local community. Um, and then we had a little hiatus the last couple of years and now it's back. Uh, it's back with force. It's back with, with magic and excitement and force. <laughs> And are the artists all emerging artists or are there some seasoned professionals as well? Predominantly emerging artists, although there are some seasoned professionals. So Heidi, for example, has done a lot of work before. So has Joe, um, And then we have some people who it will be their first presentation. So there's a whole range of um, talent that we have in the program. So there is definitely something for everybody. And we have visual arts and performance uh, and film. Uh, we have artists talks, we have roving performance. We also have VR from um, our partnership with Ignition Immersive. So uh, we'll have some activities, mainly things to watch because of the COVID situation, um, but definitely something for everybody. Wonderful. And Sarah, why, I mean, what's the need for a festival like Thrive? Why Why should we all be going there and experiencing these, these amazing artists? You know what, um, I'm legally blind, which means that for me to produce this festival, it's disability-led at its core, as well as the CEO of Arts Access Victoria being a proud disabled woman, as well as our board being full and led by people with disability. So 
What that means is we're offering something quite unique in terms of the way that we conceive of running a festival. Um, and I have that personal experience of not being able to go to a lot of other events because it's not accessible to me. So I'm driven at a heart level and a passion level and, and also at a professional level to make this something that everyone feels safe and welcome to come to. So that's the reason to come to Thrive Festival and see what that's all about and how we actually do it, especially after a period where everyone feels a bit lonely and isolated and, and um, you know, dealing with our current situation of the past year and so. And so this is a chance to really connect at a heart level, at a community level, and also just to see how access and inclusion is really welcoming for everybody. And have fun. Yeah, have fun. Fun is the the really super important ingredient, you know, (sighs) as well. But I, I just there's so many other events that I personally can't go to. So I want to run something that people can come to. And what was the process of selecting or organising the artists who are involved? Are these people who are already involved in um, community art groups or? Yeah, so City of Port Phillip ran a grants program two years in a row and they have been wonderful supporters of Arts Access Victoria, so we're thrilled to partner with the local council. This grants program has formed the core basis of the program festival and then we've invited a couple of other artists to be involved as well to make it a whole festival experience. We also have a smoking ceremony and welcome to country at the start of the day and, and the, the mayor is coming to open the festival um, and then the artists have been selected by a panel from the city of Port Phillip um, and I think external panel advisors as well in terms of the merit of their art. So it's definitely all high quality um, performance and visual art and film and I've seen some of some of the work that's going to be presented and it is amazing. It's really, really, really um, unique and amazing and interesting high quality beautiful and um just a quick last one just another one with logistics i'm just thinking how i'm going to get around to it but um is is everything in walking distance all of the different venues yes it is um so the way in which we conceive of walking distance because that's different for everybody so true that we have yes yeah <laughs> apologies for that one yeah, no problem. So it's from Temperance Hall. I think that's Napier Street. I must look at the map properly. Um, and the South Melbourne market. So that is walking distance for the majority of people. But we also have venues along the way where you can stop, have a rest, and and just it's it's really it is a small radius in in a standard sort of sense. Um, but we also have assistance for those where that might be a large distance. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah, for chatting with us today. And for our listeners out there, that's on the 24th of July. So, um, yes, yeah, Saturday, get it in the diaries, book it. It's all free. And it just sounds like an incredible day of yeah. celebration and arts and magic and fun, as you said. It's going to be amazing. And it's from 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. So we hope to see you there. Beautiful. Thank you so much. We'll be there. And that was Sarah talking to us about Thrive Festival. She's the producer of the festival and has done an incredible job so far with the lineup. I'm really looking forward to going. And yeah, why yeah, not? 24th of July, 10:30 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. And how did we get tickets again, Alice? We can go online, Thrive Festival, um, and we can have all the details up on our when our Wednesday breakfast website. So just check that one out there thank you 
Excellent. All right. And I think we've got time for a very quick song from the most recent Beyond the Bars. Um, So this one was recorded last week. Um, So we're going to hear some beats by Johnny Mac and some rapping by Rowie. Rowie, take it away. Gently. This rap that I'm spit, listen up, connect, lyrics straight from the heart, down boy, represent, yeah. Main mob, NT, DNC, jack of all trades, top end. Australia mate, been through rough and thick, now never miss a beat. Got that hard work experience, man, from the street. Knuckle up to knife fights and gun play. People landing buried six feet, toic temperature. People take and give, respect the life you live. Run on large, do it smart, have the last laugh, words have been said. Plans are made, it's guaranteed. Green pineapple stacking all day. Papers boot like a brick builder. Has that's how I flip. Down on stomping ground, that's how I get down. I love my white knots. Black bomb bag, blinged up old and always hot to the side like the real deal treat. Every dinner like my last meal, ain't no follower. Categorized leader, loyal as they come. Staunch as fuck. Spending so many years locked up in that handcuff. From the bottom to the top, finger pointing as I'm calling shots. Recognize this big boss till the day I die. I'm repping NT. Yeah, sorry about that. Bit, bit shame, bit, bit stage fright, but yeah. Oh. And that was Rowie and Johnny Mac from last week's Beyond the Bars. And um, the website for the tickets for the Thrive Festival is actually artsaccess.com.au forward slash Thrive Festival. So if you were to Google Thrive Festival, you'd find it. And if you were to go on artsaccess.com.au, you'd also find it there too. Um, Again, it's a celebration of local deaf and disabled artists. It's just on our doorstep here. So we, yeah, we should all make an effort to get along. I'm definitely going to. Absolutely. All right. And I think that's our show for this morning. So, yeah, big thank you to all our guests. It's been a good one. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, all our guests. And we'll see you next Wednesday. See you there.
3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.